0: You are now listening to Blast
1: Burn Radio. And welcome to another episode of Blastburn Radio. I am your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me today, as always, are our heroic friends, our world-saving co-hosts, Messer, Engine and Celeste. Thanks for joining me today, guys. How's it going? I'm still
2: not an uncle.
1: Maybe soon. So, could be better?
0: But not bad. Uh, I'm doing really good. had a weird week. Um, my air conditioning keeps leaking. It's done it twice now, but I have a shop vac and I've been draining the thing, so it works. And other than that, I'm having a decent week. No complaints.
1: I thought that the whole point of having an apartment was not having to deal with bullshit like that.
0: (laughs) We have shit maintenance people. Don't let them know that. Or do. I
1: I feel like they know. I don't feel like you could be a shit maintenance person and not know that you're a shit maintenance person.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. These are the same people who refused to take down the microwave so I could clean behind it after we had mice in our other apartment. Well, fuck those guys. Yep, as soon as the lease is up, we're gone. Telling you, come to Maine. Callie specifically said no.
2: Why? It's a beautiful place to live.
0: She doesn't like cold.
2: (laughs) You realize that this qualifies most of liberal America, right?
0: I know. I've told her that. I've told her that many times. I'd rather move up north. (laughs) I like the cold. You could just go to California and slide off into the ocean. Ugh. Fuck California. Too expensive.
1: Well, I'm, I'm pretty good. It's been a really, really long day. I streamed till late last night and then I woke up this morning and streamed some more because I am a fucking madman. So I have been doing Blastburn Radio and Pokemon stuff literally pretty much nonstop for the last 24 hours and I'm real fucking tired, you guys. Uh, and I'm gonna be back at it tomorrow making this podcast for you. So you're goddamn welcome, goddamn it Yeah. Yeah, I saw
2: you leveling that zone earlier, and I was like, well, that's a thing. It's a light in your house. That's weird. I never see you stream during the day. The sun doesn't
1: touch here. <laughs> I'm a real tired and grumpy boy, but that's okay, because we have we have a show to put on we have a podcast to make but as part of that show we got the news so we are still in the middle of a slow news cycle which isn't shocking considering that we're still about three months away from the release of the pokemon let's go games but we haven't yet entered really hype season that doesn't mean there's nothing to type for however so let's find out what's going on in this week's pokemon news do 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 Here is the Poke News. The Poke News. Alright guys, so, quick reminder that the August year of Legendary's event is live and active. This month we have the opportunity to pick up a code that can be redeemed for Groudon or Kyogre. As with previous events in this series, which Pokemon you're eligible to redeem depends entirely on your game version, with Sun and Ultra Sun redeeming Kyogre, and Moon and Ultra Moon redeeming Groudon. These legendary Pokemon come at level 60 in Sun and Moon, or at level 100 and holding a gold bottle cap in Ultra Sun and Moon. This event is being distributed at retail worldwide with North Americans obtaining our codes from GameStop stores. So yeah, regardless of your retailer, these codes are available through August 25th. So be sure to get out and get yours while supplies last. Now guys, this might be a slow news week, but there's still cool stuff going on. And as always, that does include Pokemon go. Messer engine. What's going on right now in the go community? Well,
2: it's community weekend. Not Community Day. You heard that right. So to recap, uh, Community Day for August was spread over two days and features everyone's favorite normal fox thing, Eevee. For three hours today as well as tomorrow, Sunday, August 12th, Eevee will spawn at increased rates, know the move, last resort, and have a greatly increased chance to be shiny. Uh, you better stock up on those because you got lots of Evolutions to handle. Uh, any Eevee... Evolved between now and when the event ends, will keep the move, last resort, upon evolution. Now, it's important to note that they did not want to give us any magic shortcut to getting the evolution you want. Uh, So, as always, you can use certain nicknames to guarantee an evolution, but only for the first time. Which means it becomes random afterwards. So, if you're hunting for a particular shiny, be prepared for some frustration... And also make sure that you catch some extra shiny boys for the the when Leafeon and fucking Glace, uh, Glaceon are available. Just keep them there in your stable. Now, Niantic also announced this week on August twentieth, an update will hit to Pokemon Go, which adds a cap on research task rewards. At present, with Encounter Rewards, you can complete the field research but not get the reward until later. However, from August 20th, you'll only be able to store 100 of these rewards at any given time. From then, your 100 most recent ones will be saved. So if you like to stockpile these rewards, make sure you claim them before the 20th.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Messer Engine. Now... There wasn't a lot going on this week, but we do have some information to go over. And let's talk about VGC. Specifically, as we're getting closer to Worlds in Nashville later this month, the community has their eyes on the 2019 season, and we're all anxiously awaiting word on what the rule set for next year's VGC will be. Uh, it seems unlikely that they'll move the VGC format to the Let's Go series, though it is still possible, or they could potentially remain in Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, but lock the series to the original 151 to celebrate Let's Go. Or, we could potentially be getting a year of GS Cup, allowing for uber-tier legendaries to be legally used in competition. We don't have the answers to these questions yet, although this week we got the first signs that those answers may be forthcoming soon. Play Pokemon have announced the locations of the International Championships for each region in the 2019 series, Latin America is up first in Sao Paulo on November the 16th through the 18th of this year, so just about three months away from today. The remainder of the list is fairly vague, giving only the month and the nation of the event, but it does show that the Pokemon Company is aware of how quickly the 2019 season is coming up, and I would expect further announcements very soon, probably at or shortly after Worlds, so look forward to that. Lastly, we got more Pokemon Let's Go news this week. Uh, we had a leak that was followed by an announcement and then a trailer, so it was pretty busy, but it didn't actually amount to like a huge info dump. There wasn't a whole lot of new information. We got new trailers in both Japanese and English, and for once, they didn't differ in big ways. But there were some small nuggets in the Japanese trailer that aren't in the English, so it's still worth it to watch both. They're very short. These trailers show off Vermillion City as well as the SSN, Diglett's Cave, and the Vermillion Gym, including Lieutenant Surge. They also showed off Jesse and James of Team Rocket. If this was all, I would still think that these were pretty cool trailers. The more that I see of the world in Let's Go, all the wild Pokemon roaming around, the more excited I get for these games just in general. But that was not all we got this week. The exciting bit in this trailer was the confirmation of Mega Evolution in Pokemon Let's Go. We have confirmation that at the very least, the Kanto starters, and presumably all of the original 151 who are able to Mega Evolve, will be able to Mega Evolve in the Let's Go titles mess celeste what did you guys think of these trailers i um i found it interesting that they
2: chose to to highlight lieutenant surge and his fucking gym come to beautiful kanto experience trash can filled gyms <laughs> fight americans like i i don't know if that's what i would have picked i think that you should have seen like erica's gym which presumably has lots of plants and like cool stuff in it i don't know I think that they could have picked a better place to go. And I suspect that they chose it specifically so they could show off the SSN. But it looks real cool. Like, I definitely know what version I'm picking up and what I'm going to do when it comes out. I'm excited for it. But it just, it was a real interesting, interesting choice. Also, Jesse and James, did we mention that?
1: Yeah, very, very briefly. But that was a very cool addition.
2: Yeah, I was I was kinda surprised actually, and there's a there's a shot uh, in there where they clearly have Meowth with them, which I thought was real neat. Uh so we're definitely gonna have our little
1: talking Meowth following them around. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for that. I, I think the reason they went to Vermilion mess, honestly, is just the fact that they had already shown us Brock and Misty's gems. They seem to be going in order. So that's kinda cool now one another thing that is really cool this wasn't actually in the trailers themselves but there was some supplemental media that was released regarding lieutenant surge and his gym they're no longer calling him the lightning american he is now the lightning lieutenant so a small little retcon that makes the world more real i think more real canto as opposed to just th- that weird fugue state that red and blue were in
0: <laughs> what did uh what did you think celeste so my thoughts on the trailer um I find it pretty interesting. I also find it interesting that the Japanese one is more focused on dialogue. There's like no dialogue in the American trailer at all, and I guess that speaks to what draws in audiences in both countries. But not nah, here and there to talk about culture. But what I, I really what stuck with me is the small little animation at the end of the Japanese trailer, the Pikachu's face when Team Rocket is running away. Oh, it was so cute. That was real good. That Pikachu's
1: had enough of your bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of makes me want to get Pikachu, but I, I, I have to get Let's Go Eevee. I'm 110% on the Pikachu train. Pikachu is a
0: Pika pal, goddammit. I might have to get both. I, I I just won't be able to decide, but that's a lot of money to drop on two Switch games, but we'll see. So, the
1: the two things that really stuck with me from the trailers were, one, the musical score is goddamn phenomenal. Like, if that is, if the music they've been using in the trailers is legit straight lifted from the games, which is kind of how it seems, because it's the original Kanto score, it's just reorchestrated. It's fucking beautiful. Like, I'm really, really excited for the soundtrack of this particular set of titles. Also, I absolutely love the fact that the trainer you that was following behind them just spins in the air like a goddamn ninja star. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen, and I love it. <laughs>
2: Now everybody can know from a mile around that you're they're going to get fucking wrecked. Yep,
1: yep, yep, yep. Now, one thing I do want to mention, guys. Please note, there are a lot of people, including a lot of more clickbaity Pokétubers, who are hyping new Megas. And we do not have any confirmation, any official sources, indicating that any new Pokémon are getting Mega Evolutions in the Let's Go titles. What we do have is confirmation that Mega Evolution is a returning mechanic for Generation 1 Pokemon, including at least the Kanto starters. We do also have a list of Generation 1 Pokemon that Game Freak has re-trademarked, which includes signature Pokemon of a lot of the gym leaders and boss trainers in Kanto, including Starmie, which is one of Misty's signature Pokemon, Raichu, which is Lieutenant Surge's signature, and Dragonite, which is Lance's signature. That being said, they is no evidence that these pokemon were trademarked due to new megas despite what you may have heard around the community i'm not trying to be the fun police over here if it makes you happy to hop on the new mega hype train then fucking go for it just don't be disappointed later if it doesn't materialize it's really important to draw a distinction between the imaginary game that you're hoping for and the very real game that we're getting or you're just going to end up disappointed and salty
2: and who fucking wants to deal with Mega Starmie, honestly, or Mega Dragonite? Like, that's just a bad time.
0: Yeah,
1: Mega Starmie would be fucking cancer. I want a Mega Caterpree. i I do. If it is true, though, I want Mega Mr. Mime so fucking bad. I would be so excited. I'd be so all in for Mega Mr. Mime.
2: Mega Mr. Mime is just going to look like the fucking puppet from Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs>
1: Give give Mega Mr. Mime an ability that sets Aurora Veil upon entering the field. Just like, hey,
0: I have both screens. Abraka, fuck you. It'd be great. If I was going to root for any Mega, I'd want a Mega Eevee.
1: Of course you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Eevee's not a special enough goddamn snowflake already with its million and a half evolutions and its exclusive Z-move.
2: Now I am a Mega Normal type, unlike any Mega Normal type. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Look at how fluffy I am. Ah.
0: It becomes mega and gets all the types. All the types. All the types. Chromatic Fox. It is now
2: everything is super effective against it. It resists <laughs> nothing. That's the trade-off.
1: All right, guys. Well, that's the Pokemon news for this week. So let's go ahead and jump into into our series, into our week in Nuzlocke gameplay. Uh, this was the eighth week of our Generation Four series. We're we're almost there, guys. We're at the very end. This week saw our challengers storming the headquarters of the dastardly Team Galactic to rescue the kidnapped legendary Pokemon, though not quickly enough to prevent Cyrus from enacting his evil schemes. We pursued the villains to the Spear Pillar atop Mount Coronet, and at the highest point of the region, we put an end to their madness once and for all, before calming the wrath of a vengeful god. Finally, our challengers made our way to Sunny Shore City, where we challenged Volkner for our eighth and final Sinnoh Gym Badge. Now, as always, Messer Engine was up to play first, so Mess Buddy, how was your week in gameplay this week? Uh, it was
2: pretty damn good. There was a lot to do, though. Like, holy shit, there was a lot to do. We had to start off our week actually going through the Galactic Headquarters, which was somewhat confusing. It had teleporters in it. I couldn't find the the key. That took a little while, but um, we got it all worked out eventually. As we ran through there, our focus was actually on getting Jinxia R Luxray as much experience as possible because a large portion of... Cyrus's Pokemon are weak to electric damage, and are male. So uh, Jinxie with rivalry and very strong attack stat and electric stab meant lots of dead Cyrus Pokemon. And we managed to do that. We didn't overlevel them. We got straight through, and we crushed Cyrus on the first go. It wasn't even really a contest. We had to run up and deal with. God, is it Saturn? Blue hair guy. I never that's, remember his that's name. That's Saturn. Yeah. We had to deal with Saturn, uh, who is honestly kind of in a similar situation. He has a Kadabra, but Jinxie has fucking Crunch. So we just crunched and zapped our way to victory, felt real good about it, and then pursued Cyrus to Mount Coronet. And that was a lot of fun. It It wasn't as crazy and confusing as I remember it being. When I was uh, in college, when I was playing these games right when they came out. And we ran into a little bit of trouble at the Spear Pillar. Now, I did not realize when I was running up there that once we defeat Mars and Jupiter, we have to fight Cyrus immediately. Your rival heals you up. But you have to fight him immediately after. You cannot leave and go continue to level. And immediately after Cyrus, you have to fight Palkia. There there is no choice. So we actually got up there and we're like, okay, well, we'll go take care of the lieutenants. And then we'll come back. Well, I couldn't do that. The doubles battle alongside our, our rival, Waldo, wasn't super scary. But there were a couple of iffy moments because he's just real bad. He's just real bad. He's been real bad all series, and he was real bad while teaming up with us. He doesn't understand anything about Pokemon. Why do you lead with your fucking Munchlax when you have a Fire Monkey and they have two Bronzors? I... Fuck that guy. So so we got through... We got through them, and then had to face Cyrus. And here's the problem. Jinxie was, like, level 47. Radar and reefs were like 44 45 everyone else was still 42 or 43 and we had one less pokemon because we needed an hm slave so adonis was with us at level 30 something to push rocks and climb things and all the stuff that he does real well you know crossfit and shit uh and we had to go face cyrus and a lot of the electric vulnerabilities are still there right his pokemon are just evolved and for the most part that was Fine, but we ran into an issue against his Weavile because his Weavile is level 48 and it hits really hard and really fast. I actually took a really big hit on Jinxie from that thing and it brought it real low and I switched into Copper, who was level 42, being like, all right, I got to tank some hits. And that thing was friggin' X-Scissoring my Bronzong to nearly death. It brought it down to like 15%. Like I eventually got through it. But I was real worried. Like half of my team was just in a real bad. Bad spot. As I, I got through that. And I I legitimately thought I was going to lose somebody. Because at some point. You look and say I can't switch in anymore. I just got to take the the loss to kill this thing. And then we would have one less Pokemon to deal with Palkia. But we got through it. Nobody died, thank God. And then we healed up, and we're like, okay, we're going to go fight Palkia. And Palkia is, I'm not going to say it's real hard to kill, but it doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, being dragon water. And again, most of my team was underleveled, and it was a beefcake, so we led in with paper-thin Jinxie and hit it real, real hard, and only brought it down to like... 25 30 in the first hit and then we got hit with dragon claw for almost all of our health Which was not great, but I outsped and I attacked with a 100 percent Accurate move and we brought the legendary pokemon down. We're like gee, I wish I wish we would have thought to use our master ball and make you our friend, but you're worth sweet sweet points So you're a dead boy And then we left and attended the gym situation now, if you've been following the series thus far, you know that I've been comfortably in the lead and just kind of moseying along, mind my own business while hoping that my competitors would lose Pokemon while doing hard mode. Thus far, that has been a very terrible plan, because the only person who's lost mine in a hard mode gym in the last, like, six weeks is Jolly, and that was just kind of bullshit, honestly. <laughs> so, we, we needed to do hard mode this week for Volkner, and... For the most part, you might think, well, Mez, that's not a huge deal. He's an electric type gym leader, and you have a fucking turtle, which is true. I also have a slug with with ground type, and we leaned into them hard. Now, the major concern was the fact that Volkner has an octillery, and that octillery has octazooka and a bunch of coverage. Primarily, it's got bullet seed, which is four times effective against slush, and it has it has Aurora Beam, which is quite effective against Speedy. So, we leaned into Blissey. All of its moves, but Bullet Seed, are special. And we threw Soccer out, and she did her little dance, which she was like, I'm an egg, I'm an egg. Fucking Toxic it up, and just sat there healing ourselves and protecting while it died terribly. And being an idiot, Volkner did not use his fucking Full Restore on that Octillery. We then just proceeded to bring Slush out for the end, who is very physically tanky. There was a concern when we were planning for the gym from the APOM, because it's got Baton Pass, it's got Nasty Plot, and it has agility. But luckily for us, because we led out with the immune Speedy to deal with the Raichu, it went straight into Octillery, who was really the only benefactor of those moves and once octillery was dead that was useless because the only thing it could do was buff Luxray's special and it's only special move is electric so no no sweat we got through the gym a-okay we got 50 sweet points and we called it a week really we just leveled everybody up uh we made a couple just move changes here at the end of the week as we got ready for pvp primarily now that we don't have a toxic croc to deal with Blissey having psychic doesn't make a whole lot of sense so uh, sakura now knows flame thrower and because we got weather shenanigans going on from everybody else we got rid of rain dance on Bronzong. we taught it trick room so that should be fun the slow are fast again hooray But yeah, that that was the week. We got good points. Nobody died. We defeated the evil team, felt real good about it. And we're like, man, evil team leader, where were you the rest of the game? You've just been walking around monologuing the entire time, which I think this is the only game that's like that thus far, right? You usually fight the team leader like mid game and then again near the end.
1: Yeah, I think that's why they added that the one extra Cyrus fight into Platinum. But even still, he doesn't feel very present even in Platinum.
2: Yeah, it's it's just real weird. I he's a real interesting villain in my opinion. It's I feel like it's a pity that he didn't feel more threatening throughout the course of the series, like overall. But yeah, all in all, good solid week. We're still in the league coming into PvP, though things may shake up this evening.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Mess. Now as always, I did play second this week, and this was this was the make or break week. For ya boy, for Jolly. There's a reason that every time I've performed real well in the last couple of weeks, Mess has been quick to pipe up with. But wait till the Distortion World, though. Widely in the fandom, Distortion World Cyrus and then Giratina Origin Form, which is my cover legendary, are considered to be two of the hardest fights in Pokemon. Not in Platinum, not in Gen 4, but in pokemon they are widely respected as being lock enders so (laughs) i came into this week hyper hyper aware of that fact and knowing that it was something that at the end of the day we were going to have to have a plan for and we were going to have to deal with now just like with messer engine of course we did have to start with storming the team galactic base in Veilstone city And that went off mostly without a hitch. We led with our big girl, Sandy. We got her out of the bank. I felt like she was going to have a big week. Boy, I didn't even know it. But we led with Sandy through most of that place, just lighting everything on fire. It was a good time. We got to listen to a rousing speech from the totally 27 years old, you guys, with his old fucking man face, Galactic Leader Cyrus. And then finally, we got to kick his ass a little bit to uh, earn the right to free the the legendary Lake Trio, which they were in, like, this weird, like, cyberpunk BDSM torture device. That was real gross. I don't know how I feel about that. But we, we did the thing. We beat Cyrus. We beat Commander Saturn. And we freed the legendaries. But it was not, in fact, enough to prevent Cyrus from heading to Spear Pillar to complete his evil machinations. Although... Apparently, he decided that we deserved a good boy prize for kicking his ass, and he gave us a Master Ball. Why? I have zero fucking ideas. Cyrus is real weird, y'all. <laughs> so, we, we did ascend Mount Coronet. We did pursue Cyrus at the Spear Pillar, but first, guys, first, we trained. And we spent probably a solid two hours just training the squad up so that we would be ready We wanted everybody who was going up Spear Pillar with us to be at least level 47. Because again, we knew what was waiting for us with Cyrus. So we brought Sandy, the Magmortar. Again, I had big plans for our girl Sandy. We brought Montalvo, the Porygon Z. We brought SpongeBob, the Togekiss. We brought Crocker, our Umbreon. And then we brought for our fifth and and ultimately final Pokemon that we were bringing because we needed a goddamn HM slave to get up there, which is real bullshit. I'm super ready for HMs to be a thing of the past, you guys. But for our fifth and final Pokemon to ascend the mountain, we brought our good, good Mamoswine, Spunky. So you may be looking at that list and noticing that there's something missing. And yeah, we totally did not bring Arnold, our Gallade, up to Spear Pillar. And I caught some shit for it. I caught some shit from Celeste for it, as a matter of fact. But I stand by that decision. Literally everything that we were coming up against was super effective against fucking Arnold. Like, he would have been walking into a goddamn death trap. Uh, And yeah, he just... Especially since I could only bring five. It made zero sense to bring him, and I stand by that decision. But we trained those five, we got them ready, and we went up the Spear Pillar. We had to also face off against uh, Jupiter and Mars in a double battle along with Queef, our rival. And yeah, Queef is real bad. In fact, mostly I just murdered all of his Pokemon with Earthquake on Spunky, which was real fun. In fact, turn one, I led with Spunky. Two Bronzongs came out and, and Queef's Munchlax. And I was just like, oh, I think one of these is heatproof. Earthquake. Nope. They're both levitate. I did nothing but kill Queef's fucking Munchlax. But that was, that was fun and worth it for the lulls. I don't regret that. But we made, that, made it through that fight without any substantial problems. And then ultimately, we got to sit and watch as Cyrus bound Dialga and Palkia to his will only to be thwarted by Giratina opening a portal and dragging him off into the Distortion World. So we followed, because of course we did. That's what world-saving heroes do. And I've never done it before, and holy shit, you guys. The Distortion World is one of the coolest, most interesting, and most memorable like puzzle dungeons in all of fucking Pokemon. It is super, super interesting and I am so glad we chose Platinum and we got to experience that for our first Senno playthrough. It was really fucking neat. Having to walk sideways up the walls and go the wrong way down waterfalls and shit. It was, it was wild. But we went on our, our puzzle dungeon quest until finally we reached the end and we're faced off once again with Galactic Leader Cyrus. Now, My plan for the Cyrus fight was to lead with Spongebob, our Togekiss, to set up screens, and to hit Cyrus's Houndoom at least once. And then I was going to switch into Sandy. And the reason for that is is that Sandy outsped, or should have outsped at least in theory, most of the things that Cyrus was bringing, and hit real, real hard with Thunderbolt, which was going to be neutral or super effective against fucking everything. So we had an expert belt, Sandy, with electric and fire coverage. So we did that. We we set our screens. We hit that Houndoom once with an air slash. We switched into Spunky, the Mamoswine, because that Houndoom was just sitting there and using Thunder Fang every turn. So we switched into Spunky to immune out the Thunder Fang. And then we switched into Sandy to immune out the Will-O-Wisp. So that was real fucking clutch. That was a hype play. We got Sandy in scot-free. We clicked Thunderbolt and we brought down the Houndoom. At that point, he sent out his Honchcrow. We clicked Thunderbolt, we killed the Honchcrow. He sent out his Gyarados. We clicked Thunderbolt, we killed the Gyarados. At this point, Cyrus had two remaining Pokemon both of whom were going to outspeed Sandy. He had his Weavile, which is his ace and hits like a fucking monster truck, and his Crobat, which is significantly less deadly, but is no less fast and has both Confuse Ray and Toxic. Honestly, of the two, I was more concerned with the Crobat. And if he had gone into the Crobat next, we might have had a substantially harder time. But he didn't. He went into the Weavile. Turn one, that Weavile used Fake Out. Sandy took about 10% damage and flinched. And the Weavile was burned by Sandy's flame body and had its attack stat halved. Turn two, that Weavile clicked Night Slash and did about a third of Sandy's health. Still hit really hard, even with halved attack, but nowhere near what it would have needed to be. And Sandy clicked Fire Blast and blew that fucker away. Finally, Cyrus sent out his Crobat, and in what was probably my biggest mistake on the night, I left Sandy in and just clicked Thunderbolt, expecting to end it. And that Crobat used Cross Poison and Crit and almost killed Sandy. So that was real dumb of me, and I should have known better. But no harm, no foul. Sandy brought down the Crobat and completed her sweep. We didn't have to switch into something else. We didn't have to play Switch X games or reset screens or any of that. We just set Sandy up for success and watched her go. And she was glorious. Too much salt and lamentations in the chat from my co-host. Finally, we had to face down the Pokemon God of Death and Destruction himself origin form giratina which is quite possibly the creepiest pokemon in existence like it's this crazy centipede dragon with tentacle wings and it's fucking terrifying honestly but for giratina we led with montalvo which was kind of a no-brainer montalvo was going to get a download boost to his special attack was going to outspeed It was going to be immune to all of Giratina's ghost-type moves. So, real, real good. We gave Montalvo the choice specs and clicked Ice Beam. Montalvo outsped and did 90% of Giratina's health in one solid Ice Beam. Just took a fucking chunk out of it. But this is one of the most offensive legendaries in all of Pokemon. And it was not by any stretch of the imagination out of the question that it was just going to haul off and hit back with a Dragon Claw and take Montalvo out but it didn't it clicked ominous wind a ghost type offensive move and montalvo was immune and clicked ice beam once again and collected our rewards you know (laughs) it's really really dumb that the ai did that i like to think that that was the nuzlocke gods balancing the ledger from when candace was playing like a goddamn vgc player last week the AI giveth, the AI taketh away. So at that point, we had, we had cleared the hurdle. We had cleared the big hurdle on the week. And we got to exit the Distortion World into the send-off spring. And go tell our friends that we had successfully saved everyone. But in the send-off spring, we did get an encounter. And we managed to pick up a dustclops We barely got to have our sweet baby boy wheels in series three. And now from the heavens, we get another fat ghost. So we named him Phantom for Mr. Danny Phantom. And with a spring in our steps, we made it back to the nearest Pokemon Center. And we called it a night because it was real fucking late at that point. We picked our gameplay back up on Friday. And we knew that we had to train and we had to take on. Volkner in the sunny shore city gym. We picked up our route 222 encounter, which was a Magnemite. And I went through a roller coaster of emotions on this fucking Magnemite because I was real excited to have one. I have felt the lack of a poison type immunity ever since Angelica died. I felt the lack of a steel type defensively all series. So I was really excited. Then I looked at our Magnemite and saw that poor Goddard has an impish nature which reduces his special attack and has hidden power rock far from an ideal steel trapper. So I sighed and I went on about my business. We trained our team and we prepared to take on Volkner. Now, The strategy for Volkner was actually going to be to lean heavily into our new ghosty friend, Phantom, who is so incredibly bulky physically, and perhaps more importantly, has access to Will-O-Wisp, which can burn and further increase that physical bulk. So, we trained the team. We went into the gym. We actually had a couple of spooky moments getting to Volkner. There's one trainer in particular who has like a level 50 Magneton. That just was chunking our fucking teammates. Almost killed Spunky before Spunky was able to beat the shit out of it with an avalanche. It was real bad. But we made it through with no deaths. We led with Spunky. Volkner leads with a Jolteon. And that Jolteon is threatening for two reasons. Uh, It has Wave, so it can start paralyzing, which is no fucking good. And that's why we led with Spunky was to immune that out. But even with Spunky, that Jolteon has Iron Tail. Jolteon's physical attack is no great shakes, but that's still a super effective move, and it's a powerful one, too. Turn one, Joltion clicks Iron Tail, and Spunky clicks Avalanche, and hits it back more than hard enough to one-shot it. So that threat was immediately and powerfully neutralized. Volkner sends out his Raichu. This Raichu is dangerous because it has ridiculous coverage. It has Thunderbolt, it also has. Focus Blast and Grass Knot. Both of which are going to be super effective against Spunky. So we need to get the fuck out of Dodge. We switch into Sandy the Magmortar. And fortunately, that Raichu clicks Focus Blast and misses. Focus Miss strikes again. So Sandy once again gets a clean switch in. Outspeeds. Clicks Fire Blast and just shrecks the Raichu. Now at this point, Volkner sends out his Ace, which is a level 50 Electivire. Now, this thing is a fucking monster. It knows Thunder and Fire Punch. It also knows Giga Impact, which is the physical equivalent to Hyper Beam. He's a fucking monster. So we immediately switch out into our Dusk Noir, into Phantom. And we click Will-O-Wisp and we burn it. And at that point, it just becomes slow and steady wins the race. With Phantom the Dusk Noir, resting once when necessary and otherwise just clicking Shadow Punch. At one point, the Electivire was low and burned. And I just knew in my gut that Volkner was going to use their full restore. And so in probably the most clutch turn of the entire gym, I clicked Will-O-Wisp on the burned and low health opponent. Just in time for his trainer to full restore him and for me to put the burn back on, which was huge. But finally, we brought down the Electivire with our new spoopy ghost friend. And out came the Luxray. Now, the Luxray is not quite as terrifying as the Electivire was. Uh, It lacks the coverage to at least some degree, and it's also a little bit lower level. But it has crunch, so it's much more targeted at murdering our ghost friend so we switched into crocker and ate a resisted crunch which was real good what was not real good was that it got a defense down so suddenly crocker was taking much much more damage following turn Luxray clicks thunder fang and does a shit ton of damage to our boy crocker crocker clicks toxic and misses which was super unfortunate i'm not really comfortable with the amount of damage that crocker is taking But I don't have a lot of things that can safely switch into this Luxray either. I go ahead and click Rest. The Luxray goes back to Thunderfang and hits Crocker down low enough to be real concerned, but not low enough to kill, thankfully. And Crocker gets the rest off successfully, wakes up immediately from the Chesto Berry. So back to full health. So at this point, I decide to make a kind of a risky play and swap into Spunky, our Mamoswine. Thankfully, the AI was realistic and not an asshole and continued to click Thunder Fang and not Fire Fang. And so Spunky got a free switch in, and we switched immediately hard swap right back into Crocker. Now that he has full health and full defense, it'll be fine, right? That Luxray gets a crit Fire Fang and it procs the burn. So that's awful. The only silver lining here is that Umbreon Crocker has Synchronize. So the Luxray is also immediately burn following turn we use protect just to give an extra turn of burn damage we take an extra turn of burn damage too though so in hindsight i'm not sure that was the correct move and then in what could have been the worst misplay of the entire game but thankfully didn't turn out to be as bad as it could have been i went to rest and i accidentally clicked snore instead so crocker did not rest and instead took an extra turn of damage at this point i wasn't sure that crocker could eat another hit and still get a rest off. And it it wasn't worth risking at this point. So I went ahead and made the decision to switch back into Sandy on the burned Luxray. And that turned out to be the right decision. Sandy didn't take very much damage on that switch. And was able to w- finish off the Luxray with another choice spec'd Fire Blast. So Sandy racking up yet another KO on her very impressive week. And with that... We've done it, you guys. Distortion World Cyrus, Origin Form Giratina, and Hard Mode Volkner. All done, all without a casualty. The come up. But that was that was my week in gameplay, and it was. Really exciting and dynamic, although not nearly as exciting, or at least not as exciting in the right ways as I think both Mess and Celeste would have preferred. Uh, they they had their, their forks and bibs out looking for some blood, but I did not deliver. But I'm not the last one to, uh, to take that menu. That, of course, was our dear friend Celeste. So Celeste, how was your week in gameplay this week?
0: So this week was a pretty interesting week. We started off going to Lake Acuity to get our encounter from there. And we ended up getting a Sneasel, which turned out to be a max IV Sneasel with neutral nature. It didn't have anything hurting it. And it has max attack IV, which is pretty freaking awesome. It might be one below. It's, yeah, I think it's got 183 attack, and it sh- at max would be 184, so it's still crazy. And so we wanted to use that on the team. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the thing to get it to evolve until we got through everything else in the gameplay and get through Victory Road. So we went ahead and set up our team, leveled a bit, and got ready to go. Do the Galactic Headquarters, which ended up being a pretty boring jaunt through trainers that didn't really have anything to stop me. And then with Cyrus, his Pokemon aren't evolved. Then he's no threat. He kind of just went down like a bag of potatoes. There was nothing to him, and including Mars or Jupiter. I always get them. It was Jupiter or Saturn. Fuck. I don't remember. Get them mixed up. It's Saturn. I, they're, they're so not memorable for me that I can't get their names straight. Their colors, uh, Jupiter's purple, Saturn's blue, Mars is red. It makes sense. So, yeah, it was Saturn. But, um, yeah, so the headquarters went smoothly. Had to chase after them into uh, the mountain. And in order to do that, we drug along a different type of team, just so I would have more coverage in certain areas, and I had to have an HM slave, so I spent some time leveling up Wharf to about 43, so I'd have Cross Chop and all the other HM moves that I needed. And then we gave Deanna Surf our Gyarados, because I needed Surf. So we brought Lore, Keiko, Deanna, Riker, Wharf, and Dennis. Or Dinas, whatever you want to pronounce it. And, um.
1: That motherfucker is Dennis the Menace.
0: <laughs> whatever. Doesn't matter. And the reason why I brought this specific team was so I could handle things um, that were coming up, especially freaking Dialga. I had no idea how I was going to go into it, and I'll talk about that more, but it's frickin' move Roar of Time. Could pretty much one shot almost every single Pokemon I had in the table. And so that was really scary. So getting through the mountain wasn't too bad. We get through the doubles fight, and that Munchlax that our freaking rival brings actually was super useful. It helped, it tanked, it did everything that I would not expect from a Munchlax. But it really helped me out and made that battle super easy. I was not expecting that. I'm glad I didn't kill it outright. I'm looking at you, Jolly. I have no regrets. (laughs) And, um... So we got through that just fine, and it comes up to Cyrus. So we led with Riker, our bird, because we led with Riker, our bird, versus the other two, and we had no chance to switch that out. But this worked out. He threw out his Honchkrow. We were able to kill his Honchcrow in two returns, and then he throws out his Weavile. I decide not to switch. I decide to do a U-turn and see if Riker can actually tank it. Weavile uses um, Night Slash instead of Ice Punch for some reason, so it, it gave me some chance. Night Slash takes my frickin' bird down to 20 HP, scaring the crap out of me, but the bird lives, and it U-turns the Weavile, knocking it down to like 10% HP. It did its job. So I throw out my Gyarados, finish off the Weavile with no issues, out comes his Gyarados. And this Gyarados is really spoopy. It has Giga Impact, Earthquake. Ice Fang and Aqua Tail. And from the team I brought, that other than my Gyarados, nothing could really handle this. I needed my Gyarados to handle this. And so I begin returning to knock down his Gyarados, and it's all working out well, and then he uses a full restore. And I have a decision to make, because my Gyarados is already beat up, and I have no idea what's going to happen. But what I decided to do is just keep going, because I can't switch into anything. And I end up He's making mistakes by using Aqua Tail instead of other moves Um, he could hit me a lot harder with. And then he goes into Giga Impact, which I thought was going to kill my Gyarados. My Gyarados lives. It gives me two turns to finish off his. Ends that. Throws out his Crobat. I switch into my Bell to set up. Get a a light screen up. Get that Bat to sleep. Switch into Dinos, my other Steel-type. And start whittling this Crobat down with uh, Ghost Claw. It wakes up. It causes chaos. I had to switch back into my Bell. My Bell was able to sleep it again. Set up the screens again. And I was able to switch back and kill it. But had that Crobat gotten through any of my Steel types, I would have probably wiped. I was that beat up. I had my Bird, which was going to die. I had freaking Gyarados. Had no health. And I had an HM Slave. <laughs> And I had my I had uh, Keiko, who would also get wrecked by that Crobat. So, yeah, I lucked out there. Now, as far as Dialga, that Roar of Time is super scary. And I decided to just not think and just punch it. So I led with my Lucario. The jolly school of Pokemon. <laughs> yes, and I even made it scarier by just using close combat. As it had a good chance of one-shotting it. Why not? Let's go for it. Didn't Swords Dance, didn't do anything, just went into it. It hits it, its HP's going down and down and down, and it stops at 1%, and I'm like, fuck. Oh, well, there goes my Steel uh, Fighting type, and of course it uses Roar of Time, my defense is lowered because of close combat, and I'm watching my health drop, and it stops at 20. I was ecstatic, because I didn't lose my Pokemon, <laughs> and I just finish it off. It was scary, but it worked out. And so that was that. So then we had a gym to get to. We first stopped out at Route Two Twenty Two. We found a gastrogen as our encounter, and the dumb me decides to click buttons instead of pay attention, and I ran away from it, losing my chance at my own slush. So yeah, I, I threw away an encounter. Uh, I feel bad, but oh well. Getting through the gym trainers was pretty boring. It was. I was pretty much set up for it. It wasn't bad volkner himself what i decided for hard mode was just to you to lead into my roserade set up leech seed substitute and just let leech seed do its work and it did his raichu went down pretty easily his Ambipom went down pretty easily and i was i had forgotten that he had a freaking ice move i forgot about aurora beam on that water type that he has so i'm just sitting there waiting for leech seed to kill it trying to kill without using Giga Drain, because I can't, you know, it would be super effective. And it starts um, using Charge Beam, so I'm just like, whatever, I'm fine. It keeps getting special ups, and I'm like, well, this is going to be bad. After like three special ups, it starts using Aurora Beam, kills my Substitute. For a while, I'm thinking, I'm just going to keep replacing the Substitute. And then I decided against that, just in case something went wrong. So I had brought in my Blissey. And so I switched into my Blissey. And I was able to easily beat it with my Blissey. And out comes his last Pokemon, Luxray. And Luxray, I was able to handle by using my Bell to set up some screens. And using my um, Hippo to tank it. It actually crit my Hippo with a Crunch. And knocked it from 200 HP to like 100 or something. But I had Rest and I was able to get through it. The gem went down. That was the scariest moment was when that crit happened. But after Dialga, it wasn't that bad. So the gym, hard mode, in the books, got that. But that was in the end of the week. I had to go through Victory Road, and I didn't want to go through with lo- lovely new Pokemon. I wanted to bring things, but most of my Pokemon were already level 49. So I had to run around, try to skip as many trainers as I could, uh, trying to figure out how to navigate it. I didn't want to skip Stone Edge just in case I wanted to use it, so I got, went through and grabbed that. Got around, finally found the Razor Claw that I needed for we- for my Sneasel to evolve into a Weasel- Weavile. And then we got on to leveling and setting up our team for a PvP. And I'm excited about our PvP team this week. Our PvP team is some good favorites. So it's our Bell, our Gyarados, our Weavile. I ha- I caught an Alakazam act- or Valkadabra well, in Victory Road. I completely forgot about that. And so Alakazam's coming, Blissey's coming. Riker's always coming, Cisco and our Roserade. And I'm excited to see how they perform. It's a really fast team now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny that you went in the course of essentially a week from running Trick Room because you were so slow to having by far the fastest team among us.
0: Yeah, it's weird how that works, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot to mention as well, I'm a bad jolly. My team has seen some shakeups as well. I also went up and poked my nose into Victory Road. I didn't explore the whole place like Celeste did, but I did make a point of getting our encounter there. I was hoping for a Rhyhorn. We didn't get that. Instead, we got an Onyx, and we named him Gur to make Cam happy, because Cam has been begging me to name every Pokemon Gur since week one, literally. Even though Gur doesn't fit with anything. <laughs> at all yeah you need right? a dog i was i was going to name an electabuzz Gurr if we caught one because i felt mm-hmm. like that was a good enough fit but we didn't get an electabuzz but yeah he he got his ger we also <laughs> caught a Man Tyke that we strongly considered using just as a foil to slush but ultimately wound up not we did ultimately wind up circling back to the magnemite however back to goddard what i realized when i was looking at him I was in the process of explaining why I didn't want to use him when I actually wound up talking myself around mentally to wanting to use him. So Goddard is on the squad now, as is our good, good, spoopy boy, Phantom. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure if either of them is coming to the Elite Four next week, but they're both on the
0: squad for PvP this week. Yep, shakeups make PvP fun.
1: Yeah. Alright guys, well that was our week in gameplay, and guess what? For the scariest week in all of Sinnoh, the one that we were all dreading, we made it through without a death. So, fuck you Reaper, you ain't taking none of my boys. There's always next week. (laughs) There is always next week, and next week's gonna be real goddamn scary, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Alright, guys, so that was our week in gameplay. And as always, we weren't the only ones playing. And again, it's a real spoopy one, so I'd be surprised if, if everybody made it out unscathed. This week did bring another series of email updates from our friends playing along at home. Firstly, this week brought another email update from our good friend Old School Bliss. Uh Celeste, would you read Bliss's email for us, please?
0: Sure. Bliss says Hello, BBR crew. Old School Bliss here. I know it's been a few weeks since I last sent an email. But it's been mostly boring. Gym leaders went down, no one was lost, no super exciting acquisitions. That is, until this week. Unlike Jolly, I wasn't able to clear the Distortion World without a loss. Giramptos, the Gastrodon, took the L for me while battling with Cyrus, and it was a simple mistake on my part. I had two water-slash-ground Pokemon, Giramptos, the Gastrodon, and let, let Lidia Sulk, the Quagsire? Knowing that Cyrus has the Gyarados, I figured I'd bring my Mon that had Water Absorb. So I pick up Gyarantos, level him a bit, and move into the Distortion World. It wasn't until he took a crit waterfall that I realized my error. Lydia Salk is my Water Absorb Mon. Sadly, that waterfall spelled the N for Gyarantos. Thankfully, that was the only loss for the week, as my Ambipom took down the Shadow Dragon with a pair of Shadow Claws, the second one critting. So that was handy. After saving the world, we trekked over to Sunny Shore and Chapanga or Chapapanga? Yeah, Chapapanga. Made it <laughs> a point to completely dominate the gem. So yeah, eight badges acquired with only three losses. Now the name of the game is to grind like a mofo because we got to get the core team to 60 before we take on the league. Stay sharp, Bliss.
1: Celeste, holy shit, it's Messer Engine's gimmick to not know how to pronounce the names. Come on, get I, with it. Come on,
0: these names are awful. <laughs> Don't make me go full, like, Japanese names on you both. Just as revenge for this. No, I can't handle another season of
1: Oratoruse. Oratoruse.
0: But it was fun. <laughs> Come on. You had fun of it. You know it.
1: Hashtag not my ultras. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Bliss. It is good to hear from you, buddy. And I'm real sad that you lost your g Ramtos, sir. That is fucking brutal. But congratulations on making it through. Onward to the Elite Four. Now this week also brought another email update from our good buddy in the land down under, Aliara. Messer Engine, would you read Aliara's email for us, please?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Aliara says, "Good day, Blastburn crew. Uh, missed updating on my frosty adventures because I can't get—I can't into time zones. Uh, nevertheless, we fucked that place up and made a little girl cry. The adventure continued, and shit got weird when a friendly game of Yu-Gi-Oh against Cyrus ended up with me in the Shadow Realm." Oh, that was, that was great, man. I, I'm jazzed that you made that joke uh, anyways, <laughs> but I stopped my way through and saved my precious Ikea stores and the world, I guess. Jim eight was then upon us and Mamoswine and Glyscore decided to just earthquake the shit out of it. So now I have eight badges, some good boys, and I'm ready to make the league my bitch. The team consists of Flare and the Infernape, Valyord, the Golduck, Malm, the Gliscor, Elvari, the Obama Snow, Sigum, Signum, sorry, the Mamoswine, and Scub, the Best Boy Licky Licky. Also for Gen 5, I have two ideas for naming themes. Either he, He-Man Masters of the Universe or G.I. Joe Toys. Let me know what you guys think. Regards,
1: Aliar. Thank you, Master Engine, and thank you for your email, Aliara. I'm real jealous of you just Earthquaking the shit out of that gym. That would have felt real goddamn satisfying. But I'm glad that you were able to kick his fucking teeth in, sir. I don't know about you guys, but Masters of the Universe has some real goddamn ridiculous names, so I would love to see that naming theme, and I cannot wait to see who gets fucking Skeletor.
2: Yeah, that's gonna, that'll be fun and interesting. I haven't decided what mine's gonna be next season yet.
0: I've got mine planned out already. And it's going to be either really good or really bad. We'll find out. Mine is
1: going to be real entertaining for me. And if you fuckers don't like it, that's your problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mine's going to be kind of educational and I'm kind of stoked about it. So
1: awesome. Uh, Now this week also brought our first ever email from a longtime listener. First time caller, writer, something. Anyway, uh, this week we heard from Ed. Uh, I'll go ahead and read Ed's email. He writes, Hi guys, I've been listening to your show for a while now. I only started listening as you were halfway through Hoenn, but I binged to catch up. Uh, You mentioned how you wanted to hear from listeners, so I thought I'd send you a quick message. I'm a British collector of retro game consoles. I'm building a living museum of gaming. And I've grown up with Pokemon, starting out with Pokemon Red when I was four years old. Not really having a clue what I was doing, but thoroughly enjoying the noises and pictures and my now slightly battered Game Boy Color. I remembered catching a Ponyta with the Master Ball in my original run of Red, as I'd never seen a Pokemon like it before and thought it was super rare. (laughs) I recently tested a Super Game Boy for the SNES and decided to use my original Red cartridge, which somehow still has save battery power, as the test cartridge. And wiped my 18-year-old save. Oof. I know those feels, but I decided to see it as an opportunity. I never caught Mewtwo nor any of the legendary birds in my original run, thanks to my master ball, oopsie. This time, I have decided to finally live up to the tagline and catch them all. I've got all the games and numerous Game Boys of various models and colors and about 50 link cables. So why not? I'm currently at 88, and I have completed the Mew glitch, so that oh-so-elusive little cat is now in my box. If only there was a legitimate way to get Mew in red. I'll keep you updated on the way, and let you know once I have succeeded in catching them all. Cheers, Ed. Awesome. Thank you so much for your email, Ed. Uh, your hobby is dope as fuck. I really wish I still had all that stuff that I've sold and traded away over the years. And building a living decks in those old games is a really cool and interesting challenge. When I say if you're doing your own challenge, it's different from ours, but still real cool. That's exactly what this is. So that's really awesome. So yeah, definitely keep us up to date. We'll love to hear about it. Now, this week also brought our first message in a very long time from friend of the show, Tom Archard, a.k.a. Trainer Mimic. Mess, did you want to read Tom's email for us, please?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So Tom says, hey, guys, sorry it's been so long. I just listened to your one-year anniversary episode and was so touched that you guys gave me a shout-out. Blastburn is such a great community, and I couldn't be happier with how well it's turned out for you guys and how much you've achieved over the past year. I'm still diligently listening as often as I can, and it totally sucks that I am so busy all the time and can't dedicate time to the community anymore, but I always make time to listen to you guys talk about your latest triumphs and disasters. At the moment, I'm finally tackling the challenge of completing my Pokédex. I'm making a living Dex as I go, and it's a horribly slow process, but I owe it to a six-year-old me to finally do this saboteur my venusaur from our gen one nuzlocke and the only one i ever finished is now in my pokemon ultra sun and i use him from time to time to help me find new additions to the pokedex anyway congratulations to you guys and well done for all the hard work you put into the last year i think the community and feedback speaks to how well you guys have done and i'm looking
1: forward to seeing what you have to offer on patreon tom Thank you so much, Tom. It honestly still feels a little unreal that we've been a thing for a whole year now, and I'm real glad that we have folks like you and Penguin uh, who have been with us the whole way. So sincerely and from the bottom of my heart, thank you, sir. We miss you, Tom. We really do. Now, lastly, this week brought an email update from community moderator and proud member of Hashtag Team Messer Engine, Pegasus, on his catch-up run
0: of Pokemon Pearl. Celeste, would you read Peg's message for us, please? Sure. Peg says, Hey all it's Peg, and I'm finally here with a new status report. In the last email, I said I was going to pick Sinnoh back up and try to catch up. Since then, I started my journey of a turtwig and an Arrowverse naming theme. For those who don't know, the Arrowverse is is the connected universe of the CWDC comics based on TV shows Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. And my badge count has gone from 0 to 5. I'm going to skip the part where I talk about what happened during my week in gameplay, as that would make this message way too long. I tried doing it, but limiting myself to only talking about gym battles and deaths, but even then the message was so long, Discord wouldn't even let me send it. So that's it for me. Now you get to hear my team and my deaths. Peg out. Pokemon, Alive in the Box 8. Week 1 deaths. Farouk the Shinx. Scythian the Staravia. Maggie the Buizel. Rosalind the Graveler. She was not destined to be the successor to the legendary Armstrong. Cisco the Metatite, total deaths 5. Team, Barry the Torterra, level 35. Everything's actually level 35 except for the last one. Cynthia the Cadabra, Malcolm the Crobat, Joey the Gastrodon, Patty the Pachirisu, and Time Rafe the Gastly at level 19.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Celeste. And thank you, Pegasus. Uh, Good luck catching up, sir. Peg has made it known to us that he wants to be facing the Elite Four in finale week, which is now, basically. So he's going to be running at the speed of light to catch up. Uh, Good luck, sir. And don't let the need for haste make you sloppy. Be safe. Lean into those resistances and immunities. All right, guys. Now, if you are a proud member of the Blasphemer Nation and you're playing along with us at home, or if you're just following the show, we want to hear from you. Uh, be sure to get at us by email or through social media, and we will share your messages with the community because we're all in this together. All right, guys. It is that time once again, folks. Coming into PvP this week, Messer Engine remains on top, having pursued and dominated hard mode for only the second time on the series to stave off the competitors right on his heels. He brings in a score of 650 points. Celeste Lost remains in second. She performed perfectly this week but gained less ground than she did in the last several weeks. Uh, She sits down 50 points at a score of 600 even. I, Jolly by Nature, remain in third place, but y'all, I am ten points behind Celeste, nipping right at her heels with a score of 590. Now, as always, last week's big winner must defend first, and for the fourth week running, that is once again myself. Messer Engine, I challenge you. Hooray! Yay! All right, guys, well, here we go.
0: So in the Platinum Corner, we have BBR Jolly leading out with Rocco, his Floatzel. And in the Pearl Corner, we have Mezer Engine leading out with Sakura, his Blissey. Are you two ready? Let's do it. Yep. You team move again? Mezer Engine goes right away to switch out from Blissey into Reef's Gyarados, and Rocco sets up a taunt. Reefs lowers Rocco's attack with Int- an Intimidate. BBR Jolly switches out from Rocco into Goddard, his Magnezone. Goddard takes a Water Flow on the switch, taking 26% of its health. Soccer comes out for Mezzer Engine, his Blissey, and Goddard sets up a Reflect. Goddard goes Dual Screens and sets up a Light Screen, and Blissey is his Flamethrower, taking down- Goddard down 19% health but also Burning it, and after being hurt by Burn, it is at 42% health. Spunky comes out for BBR Jolly, his Mammoth Swine, and it takes a Toxic on the switch. Soccer sets up a Protect. Protecting itself from an avalanche, and Toxic knocks Spunky down to 83% health. Reefs comes back out for engine, lowering Spunky's attack, and dodging an earthquake. Toxic knocks Spunky down to 66%. Montalvo, the Porygon Z, comes out for BBR Jelly. It takes a waterfall on the switch for 30% of itself. Those screens are doing good work for Jolly. engine switches from Reefs to his Gastrodon slush. And Montalvo sets up a nasty plot on the switch, raising its special attack. Montalvo uses a, another nasty plot. It is now at 3 times special attack. A mud bomb from Slush hits Montalvo for 21% of its health and also lowers its accuracy. Montalvo eats its citrus berry, so it's now at 74% health. Sakura comes out for Meser Engine, taking an Ice Beam on the switch for 41% of its health. That's crazy for that amount of damage on the Blissey, but those. Nasty Plots have increased its damage by a ton, so... Yep, and Light Screen wears off for Montalvo. Fuck. A Hyper Beam comes out <laughs> for Montalvo, and it misses, and Toxic misses for Sakura. That was Montalvo about as recharge. unlucky as
2: I could have been.
1: Uh, well, no, it could be
0: worse. The hyper it could beam have been worse. Hit. The Hyper Beam could have hit, yeah. That dodged Hyper Beam was pretty huge. A fourth Nasty Plot from Montalvo. Or third, sorry. Raises his special attack to max, and Toxic misses again. Now, that was about as unlucky as you could have been. Mm-hmm. Yep, pretty fucked. An Ice Beam from Motavo knocks Sakura down to 7%. It eats its sister's fairy. It's at 32% health now. And Motavo is now poisoned by Toxic. Let's see, it protects itself from an Ice Beam from Motavo. And Toxic is slowly whittling Motavo down. It's at 56% health now. Blissy luckily pulls up another protect, protecting itself from a second ice beam, and Montava's at 38% health. Those double protect shenanigans. <laughs> it, it was the best choice that I could make. It was. It's fair. Is there going to be a third? Find out in another minute. There's no fucking way I get off a third one. Oh, oh fuck. crap. <laughs> <laughs> there's a third protect. Montava's at 14% health after <laughs> Toxic. Sakura really doesn't want to die to that ice beam. Protect finally fails on the fourth try. Montalvo finishes off Blissey, but dies itself to Toxic. I would have shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's possible. Goddard comes out for BBR Jolly, it is at 42% health still and still has the burn, and Sly comes out for Measure Engine, his Lucario, and I did not mention Goddard's type, it's a Magnezone, or uh, Brace, or whatever, uh, what type of Pokemon it is, but Magnezone. Don't mind me, I can't talk. A close combat from Sly finishes off Goddard. Sly's defense is decreased by one. Arnold, Jolly's Gallade comes out. There's that danger boy. Messer Engine switches into Reefs as Gyarados lowering Arnold's attack. A Drain Punch from Arnold hits Reefs down to 88% health. Arnold sits with a Sword Stance, raising its attack to 1.5 times. A Waterfall from Reefs knocks Arnold to 33% health. A Psycho Cut from Arnold hits Reefs down to about 19% health. It eats its berry, recovering to 838%, and Waterfall finishes off Arnold. Sandy comes out through VR Jelly, staring down that Reefs. Sandy is a Meg Mortar. Mezurenton switches into Slush, his Gastrodon, it takes a Psychic on the switch for 37% of its health, and Rocco, the Float Soul comes out for a Jolly, taking a Surf on the switch for 30% of itself even though it was not very effective. Slush being a really crazy hitting Pokemon, all series. A Waterfall from Rocco hits Slush down to 29% health, but it restores itself with the Citrus Berry. Slush returns with a Mud Bomb for 40% of Rocco's health, and also lowers Rocco's accuracy. Another Waterfall from Rocco hits Slush down with 17% health, and a Surf from Slush knocks Rocco to 1%. Rocco finishes off Slush with a Waterfall. Sly comes out for Engine, his Lucario. And a Quick Attack from Sly finishes off Rocco. Sandy comes back out for BBR Jolly, his Magmortar. A Fire Blast from Sandy finishes off Sly for 100% of its health. Reefs comes out for Engine. A critical hit Fire Blast from Sandy finishes off Reefs. Radar comes out from Ezra Engine, his Crobat. A cross poison from Radar hits Sandy for 47% health and poisons her, and Fire Blast misses Radar. After poison, Sandy's at 40% health. Spunky comes out for Jolly, taking a cross poison on the switch. After poison, it is at 46% health. It was still toxic from before. Radar uses Confuse Ray confusing Spunky, but it fights through it, hitting Radar of an Avalanche for 96% of its health. It's super effective. After Poison, Spunky's at 35% health. Spunky hits itself in confusion, and a wing attack from Radar finishes off Spunky. That's game. Sandy comes out for BVR Jolly, his Mag Mortar, and Radar finishes off Sandy with a Cross Poison. Good game, Mess. Good game, Jolly.
1: Well, that is that, and that is... What Mess has been threatening for the last four weeks now is, is getting better and better at countering what I've had to bring, and it finally paid off this week. So as always, our loser must give up the stick, and this time, that's going to be me, folks. So our next match of the evening is going to be Messer Engine versus Celeste the Lost. And in the pearl corner, we have Messer Engine leading out with Copper, his Bronzong, uh, in the diamond corner, we have Celeste leading out with Deanna, her Gyarados, getting the Intimidate off on Copper on the opening round. Are you ready? I am. Yes. Okay, you may begin. Okay, and Deanna does, of course, outspeed and goes for the taunt immediately. Copper unable to use any of the support moves that have been so effective for Messer Engine throughout the series. Copper was indeed going for the Confuse Ray, which does not land after the taunt. And Copper comes back out in favor of Reefs the Messer Engine counting Water Dragon with Water Dragon. <laughs> Reef switches in on Deanna doing that Dragon Dance. Uh, attack and Speed goes up, leaving Deanna at Neutral Attack and one stage up in Speed. And Deanna goes to the Ice Fang, which deals 30% of Reefs' health on the hit, and causes a flinch. Uh, Reefs is flinched and cannot move. Deanna goes back to the Ice Fang, dealing another 30% and triggering Reefs to eat his Citrus Berry, bringing him back up to 65% after the berry. Reefs hits Deanna with a return, dealing 39% on the hit. Deanna goes to the Waterfall, which is not very effective, but Stab, dealing 24% on the hits. Reeves goes back to the Return, dealing 40%. Deanna eats her own berry and is now at 45%. Uh, So Deanna's at 45% and up one stage in speed. Reeves is at 41%, and they are both berryless. Deanna goes back to the Ice Fang, dealing 27% to Reefs. Does not get the flinch this time. Reefs goes back to the return, dealing 43%. Both of them are in the red. Deanna with only 2% health. Reefs with 14%. Deanna goes back to the Ice Fang. That is enough to bring Reefs down. And Radar, the Crobat, coming out from Esser Engine. Deanna does outspeed after that Dragon Dance, leading out with an Ice Fang, dealing 58% of Radar's health. Radar hits back with the wing attack and brings Deanna down. And Kudak the Weavile coming out for Celeste. And Radar the Crobat comes back out in favor of Copper the Bronzong. Copper switches into an Ice Shard from Kudak, dealing 10% of his health. And Kudak goes for a Night Slash, dealing 43% to Copper. Big dick damage. Copper hits back with a Confuse Ray. Kudak is now Confused. And Kudak comes back out in favor of Beverly the Blissey. Beverly switches into a Gyro Ball, which would have been so destructive against the Weavile, but only deals 9% to the Blissy. And Copper comes back out in favor of Radar the Crobat, who switches into a Thunderbolt from Beverly, and that is enough to bring Radar down. And out comes Slush the Gastrodon from Master Engine slush comes back out in favor of copper the bronzong baiting that toxic which of course copper is immune to on the following turn beverly does outspeed and uses thunderbolt dealing 22 percent of copper's health on the hit copper however uses hypnosis and for once on the series guys copper's hypnosis lands on the first try beverly is now asleep Beverly comes back out in favor of Cisco, the Hippowdon. Cisco switches in on a Trick Room from Copper. What is fast is now slow. What is slow is not fast. Uh, unfortunately for Messer Engine, Cisco is real slow. The slowest boy. And Cisco does outspeed under Trick Room with an Ice Fang. Feels only 9% it is resisted. However, it does get the flinch. Copper is flinched and could not move. That is one turn of Trick Room down. Uh, Cisco then follows that up with a crunch, which is enough to finish off Copper. Out comes Slush, the Gastrodon. And Cisco comes back out in favor of Beverly, the Blissey. Beverly switches in just in time for Slush to do a little dance, and it is now raining. Slush uses Surf, but even in the rain, Surf only deals 15% to that specially bulky Blissey. Uh, Beverly, however, uses Toxic, and we all know what that does. Slush has got the poison real bad. Uh, Beverly uses Ice Beam, which deals 15% to Slush. Slush uses Mud Bomb, only deals 8% to Beverly, and does not get those accuracy hacks.
2: You basically won, Celeste, but I'm just going to make you play it out. That's
1: fair. <laughs> uh, Beverly uses Soft Boil, heals back up to full. Slush uses Surf, healing another 15%, takes poison damage, eats her Citrus Berry. Back up to 73%. Uh, Beverly goes back to the Ice Beam, dealing 17%. Slash uses Ice Beam back for only 7%. Takes more poison. Beverly soft-boils again. Slash uses Ice Beam. Slush goes down. to poison. Out comes Soccer of the Blissey. It is Fat Egg v. Fat Egg. And everybody's using Toxic. A lot of poison going on over here. I'm guessing we're in for about 10 turns of eggs slowly killing each other. Oh, no, Beverly switches back out in favor of Riker, the Staraptor, who gets an Intimidate off on the switch. Uh, Riker eats a Flamethrower on the swap for 32%. On the following turn, Beverly comes back out in favor of Haunt, the Mismagius. However, Riker has a new toy to play with in the form of Brave Bird. He is the bravest of birds, and that is enough to take Haunt down in one blow. Messer Engine is down to Sakura, his final Pokemon. Uh, Sakura eats a return from Riker for 43% of her health. She does have a Citrus Berry. However, it heals up just a little bit, back up to 63%. Sakura uses Flamethrower, and Riker is now living on a thread at 6% health. Uh, Riker goes back to the Brave Bird, dealing 60% and killing himself with recoil. Sakura is living at 3% health. Kudak, the Weavile, comes out for Celeste. And Kudak uses Ice Shard, and that is enough to bring the Blissey down for the first time in a solid month. Celeste has won her PvP match. Congratulations, Celeste.
0: Thanks. Good game, Mez.
2: Good game. I did not check what you were bringing this week, and uh, I made a mistake by leaving off my physical threats. And I realized that the second the Blissey came out, I'm like, four out of six members of my team are special only. Like, this game is done no matter what. (laughs) good game good game but it doesn't matter because i beat jolly
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah enjoy it while you can
2: hey all i'm saying is i did not lose both matches and that's all i really needed for the night
1: that's very fair
2: all right you guys get to fight now have fun with your new fucking toys jolly's over there with phantom the uh, is it dusk noir the dusk noir Dusk Noir, he's a he's a detective uh, and Celeste is leading with Alakazam G- Garak. Garak. Garak 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 the Alakazam, are you two ready to rock and rumble and roll? Let's do it. Alright, you may begin Phantom leads with Shadow Sneak bringing Garak, Garak down to 37% Garrick Garak. Garak I'm going to say it 50 times uses Psychic bringing Phantom down to 26% Riker, the uh, Starraptor, comes out for Celeste, coming right out into a burn, which is not real ideal. The Intimidate is on Phantom in case anybody was worried about that. Jolly switches out Phantom for Goddard the Magnezone. Uh, It takes a Brave Bird on the switch in and is at 95%. A close combat from Riker brings it down to 67%, but it is absolutely neutered by that fucking burn Goddard gets a reflect up as well Riker U-turns out switching into Beverly while Goddard gets the light screen up Egg V whatever the fuck Magnazone is Arnold the Glade comes out for Jolly switches into a toxic which it probably didn't like a whole lot Celeste switches out uh, her egg for her good, 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 good hippo. Cisco the hippo, the, the hippotas. And Arnold Swords Dances and takes some toxic damage. A Drain Punch brings Cisco down to 58% and fills Arnold back up. But Arnold takes an Earthquake, some toxic damage, and some Sandstorm damage and goes down to 40%. It Drain Punches again bringing Cisco pretty low, but Cisco takes a fucking nap using rest and wakes up after it eats its berry. Arnold is again at 40% from the toxic with two stages of attack up. Out comes Riker, the burb who comes in, gets an intimidate off and immediately takes a psycho cut to its death. But Arnold is at 3% after toxic damage and out comes Kudak, the uh, weavile for Celeste Ice Shard finishes off Arnold putting him into the ground and Kudak is at 94% after Sandstorm damage out comes Spunky the Mamoswine with a broken JPEG (laughs) the Reflect is now down uh, it looks like as well Celeste brings in Deanna the Gyarados it switches into an Earthquake but it is immune because it flies it is at 95% after sandstorm damage. The light screen has worn off. Jolly brings Goddard back out uh, the Magnezone. It switches into a waterfall and is at 37%. Deanna is at 89% after sandstorm damage. Celeste brings out Cisco, who comes into a discharge but is immune due to its ground typing. Cisco is still at 100%, having recovered from its super nap. A reflect goes up for Goddard, but it does not save it from a super effective earthquake. Out comes Montalvo, the Porygon Z, that good digital duct, with some special attack up on the switch in from download. It nasty plots. It's dreaming of Cisco's demise. Cisco hits it with an earthquake and some sandstorm damage, bringing it down to 66%. Montalvo up at 2.5% special attack. It nasty plots again as Beverly the egg comes on out to presumably make his day bad. An ice beam from Montalvo brings Beverly to 50%. Beverly eats its berry and is back up to 75%. Montalvo is toxic and is taking a bunch of damage from that. But it's not having any of it. Uh, It beams and the egg is down. Out comes that good Weavile, hoping to outspeed Montalvo since it must recharge and can't get an attack off. Kudak uses Swords Dance, so it's real fast and it hits real hard now. And Montalvo is at 30%. No correction, Montalvo is dead after a Night Slash. Out comes a Spunky the Mamoswine to face down that there... What is, what is Weavile? A, a, a fucking... Weasel? Spunky uses Earthquake, kills Kudak. Uh, Kudak uses uh, Night Slash, brings Spunky down to 51%. Out comes Garrick, the Alakazam for Celeste. Now, Ice Shard, with its priority, drops uh, the Alakazam. Out comes Deanna getting the Intimidate off on Spunky. That Gyarados. Yeah, I made a mistake. Two mistakes there, actually. A Waterfall from Deanna drops Spunky the Mamoswine. Out comes Sandy, the Magmortar, to face down that good, good, not-dragon. It uses Waterfall and one-hits that Magmortar into the ground, leaving Jolly with just one Pokemon, his Dusknoir, the
1: detective, Phantom. You untrained and retrained Deanna this week, didn't you? Yep. I streamed it. Sandy very much used to outspeed
2: Deanna. Phantom is at 26% and then dead from Waterfall, ending her slump celeste wins both of her matches tonight congratulations celeste
0: thanks
1: okay guys so after tonight's pvp after the fall from grace that i have just unceremoniously experienced that is going to change up our leaderboard and and rather significantly in third place we have myself jolly by nature remaining i was not able to gain any additional points On the week, so I remain at my score of 590. Uh, In second place, we have Celesta lost, still in second, but oh my god, right on the heels of Messer Engine. After two big PVP wins tonight, she is sitting at a score of 660. And Messer Engine remains in first place, guys, but not by a whole lot. He was able to pick up 30 additional points this evening. He has a score of 680. How are we feeling after tonight's PvP, guys? I mean, you
2: know, pretty good. You lost both matches. I'm sure we both feel pretty good about that.
0: Um, so, I lucked out into two amazing, fast, heavy damage-dealing Pokemon this week. And holy crap, they made the team fit so much better together.
2: Don't let them die this week when you go to the Elite 4. They're
0: real frail. Yeah, they're super frail. That's the problem with frail things. Yep. <laughs> That's something
1: that could happen. Uh uh that is not what I needed, but I guess that just means that your boy is going to be doing some dancing. Dance dance, 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 dance revolution. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, womp womp. Oh well, that is what it is and lord knows it's very much anyone's game even without any Outside, like side points that that are left to be pursued. Our PVP next week is worth fifty points each, guys. Which means mm-hmm. that this is very much anyone's game. Our leader is at six hundred and eighty. Our third place is at five hundred and ninety. That's within a hundred points. It is literally anyone's game at
2: this point. Just don't lose people in the last week. Don't don't be like Mez. <laughs> don't lose your favorite Poison Boy or Girl in in your last week of
0: gameplay. I've got so many fragile Pokemon, and I'm going to need to figure out what I actually need to take to lead for, too.
1: Yeah, and that's the really interesting thing about finale gameplay. And let's let's talk about our finale. Let's talk about our finale gameplay. So this week is, of course our series four finale. We have explored the region. We have gathered our badges and all that remains is to ascend victory road, have one last scrap with our ADHD addicted rival and challenge the elite four at the Pokemon league. Uh, Before they take that final climb, our hosts will want to pursue any unfinished business in the Sinnoh region, including hunting down legendaries and taking a spin through the contest hall. If any of our hosts are of a mind to, Uh, (laughs) not at all. Uh, I I wasn't of a mind to, but I think I'm going to have to make myself of a mind to. I owe it to you guys to make that happen. As always, our level limit is going to work a little bit differently for the finale. Uh, our level limit for this week's finale will be 60, and our hosts will be leveling our teams to that limit before we challenge the Elite Four. We may level beyond it over the course of our gauntlet of our Elite Four challenge. As always, we are also hands-off our teams at the end of the challenge and we must bring our teams as they are once we complete that gauntlet we are unable to make any alterations or substitutions even in the event of deaths don't eat your berries kids It's also worth noting that our finale PvP battles are once again worth 50 big points each up from the normal 30 and thus performance against the Elite Four and in the finale PvP matches next week will be critical. It is truly anyone's game. Now, as Gar-champ. as always, we want to let you guys know when and where you can find us streaming. And as it is finale week, the answer there is going to be a little bit different. As has become our custom over the last several series, we are going to be multi-streaming our our elite four gameplay however what we learned from the last series is that doing all of our finale week gameplay together as a multi-stream just means that we're up and streaming until like three o'clock in the fucking morning and ain't nobody got time for that so instead this week what our hosts are going to be doing is tying up our loose ends and training our teams through the week to multi-stream on friday night semester engine you generally stream first on our week on sunday is that going to hold true this week as well
2: yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be in on Sunday to go through Victory Road, defeat Waldo, and hunt down legendaries. No contests, though. Uh, and get ready for the level limit for Friday. That is all of Sunday. If we need another day, it's going to be Monday. But I'm going to try real hard not to do that because WoW X-Pac Monday. So, yeah, <laughs> expect me to do what I need to do to get done.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Messer Engine. Now, I will be streaming, as always, on Tuesday evening, 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash jollybynature. I'll probably try to pick up Monday, too, as well, honestly, if Mess isn't. Because, again, with the way tonight went, I'm going to have to put on my dancing shoes. I'm going to have to take my boys on a (laughs) jaunt around that contest hall, which means I've got a lot of stuff to do this week. So be prepared.
0: We're going to be doing some streaming.
1: Now, as always, that leaves our good friend Celeste. Celeste, when can our listeners
0: expect to find you live and streaming on Twitch? So I'll be streaming Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And actually, you know what? I think I might start a little earlier. I haven't decided. Um, I will let you all know if that happens. And that'll be at twitch.tv slash Lost. And I'm hoping to not have a second night this week until the finale. But if I if it's really needed, it will be Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Celeste. And again, we will be streaming our finale gameplay our Elite Four challenges on Friday evening. We will be ascending the plateau together Friday evening, 9 p.m. Eastern, on all of our various Twitch channels. There will actually be a multi-stream link available in the show notes of today's episode, and we'll also be sure to post that in Discord and in our individual Twitch chats. So just come out and join us at the end of all things. We'll be glad to have you. Now, as always, guys, we want your emails, we want to hear from you, whether you're playing along with us at home, doing your own challenge run that you just want to talk about, or if you just want to give us your thoughts and feelings on the show, please send us your emails to BlastBurnRadio at gmail.com, or get at the show on Twitter or Facebook at Blastburn Radio. Uh Now, as always, you can follow me personally at BBR Jolly on Twitter. I'm at CelesteLost. And I'm at Misser Engine. Also, don't forget to check out Mythic Portal Games for all of your online role-playing assets. And follow the show at Blastburn Radio on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date on what all of our hosts are doing around the web. I do want to thank everyone for joining us today. I want to give a very special thank you, as always, to my co-hosts, Messer Engine and Celeste, for Blastburn Radio. I'm Jolly by Nature. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. See you next time, folks. Finale week! Yay, finale week! Blastburn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Jolly by Nature, Celeste Lost, and Messer Engine. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy off the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out all her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at GlitchxCity. City. Closing music in today's episode is Cantalave City Remix by Say, S-E-I-I. You can check out all her tracks at youtube.com slash saytunes. Design work and stream assets provided by Rachel Mondragon. Check out her portfolio or contact her for commissions at rachelmondragon.com. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content.